0: And welcome again. We're very grateful for your presence today. We're grateful for the opportunity to be together to worship God. It is good to see rain falling and hopefully and prayerfully we'll get some more rain today. But we're glad you're here and we're thankful for our visitors. We want to encourage you to come back and be with us. We always love to have visitors here at Olive Branch. We've had a number of people that have placed membership with us and it may be that you're looking for a church home. We invite you to Consider carefully the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us as we strive to make known New Testament Christianity in this community. We're going to be talking today about Hebrews 13, verse 17. I want us to think about the theme, the strength of the church is her eldership. What I plan to do for the next couple of three weeks is talk about some of the variables that make the church what it ought to be in the eyes of God, and that is strong, faithful, and productive. And so as we think about what the writer said in chapter 13 at verse 17, we are introduced to the responsibilities that fall on those who function as overseers. Furthermore, we are also reminded of our responsibilities to those who are our leaders. And so today we want to think about the strength of the church is her eldership. And i begin by talking about their responsibilities. We're going to look at their responsibilities and then we're going to talk about our responsibilities. By way of overview, let me just begin by defining some of the terms that are found in the Bible as they relate to those who serve in the capacity of the eldership. First we think about the word elder or by way of plurality elders. When you read the New Testament one of the things that I guess needs to be pointed out is that when you look at the New Testament church There is always a plurality of men who function in this capacity. Nowhere in the New Testament do we read of a one-man rule in the church. It is always a plurality. In Acts chapter 14, verse 23, the Bible tells us that they appointed or ordained elders in every church. And so... Let me begin by saying that inherent in the word elder is an older man, a senior. W.E. Vine in his dictionary of New Testament words states that the term elder denotes their maturity of spiritual experience. And so that's just one word that is used to define this office. The second term that we read about in the New Testament, bishops. And this, of course, is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 1. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. And I would point out that the work of an elder is just that it's a work. Just like serving as a deacon, just like those who function as evangelists or preachers, it's a work. The word bishop means an overseer. Thayer in his Greek lexicon of the New Testament says, the word denotes a man charged with the duty of seeing that things to be done by others are done rightly. A curator, guardian, or superintendent. So here's another term that helps to amplify the office of the eldership. The third term that I would call attention to is the word pastor. And of course this term is found in Ephesians chapter four at verse 11. Let me just make mention of the fact that in the religious world at large, many times there are designations that are given to individuals who serve in a specific capacity. And many times in the religious world they will take Terms that are synonymous in nature and apply them to one individual. Sometimes individuals who serve as preachers in various religious organizations are called the pastor. Well, the word pastor is synonymous with the term elder. The term elder is synonymous with the word bishop. All I'm saying is, it's one in the same office. Now, a preacher could serve as a pastor, an elder, or a bishop, but we might question the wisdom in some cases of that, but Peter, of course, in 1 Peter chapter 5, served as a preacher, an apostle, and an elder. And a preacher could serve as an elder if he met the criterion set forth in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, verse 5 and following. But the word pastor designates a shepherd, one who tends herds or flocks, not merely one who feeds them. It is used metaphorically of Christian pastors. Pastors guide and feed the flock. For example, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the elders of the church at Ephesus were charged to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And so that helps all of us to understand some of the terms that are used in the New Testament as they relate to this office. And it is a very high office. It's a very important office. Now, I want to describe the work of an elder. There are a lot of, I guess there are a lot of things that could be said about the work of the eldership. And let me just begin by reading for you what I believe to be a great summation, a great overview, if you please, of the massive responsibility that rests on those who accept this role. The late Franklin Kemp wrote a book, and I really believe it to be probably the finest book that's ever been written on the eldership. That's not to, in any way, diminish the works of other men. There have been a lot of good men that have written books on the eldership, and I think that all of them are profitable. But the book by brother Franklin Camp is no well it's no longer in print but it's it's titled Principles and Perils of Leadership. And here's what brother Camp says on page 13. Elders have the most solemn and serious responsibility of any group of men on earth. The awesome responsibility of the president of the United States cannot compare with the responsibility of elders. The president is charged with leading this nation in things that have to do with its citizens, physical, economic, and political welfare. This is a small responsibility in comparison with that of elders. Their responsibility is not only with time, but with eternity. It is their responsibility to see that a lost world has the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ and the invitation of the Son of God to enter the kingdom. But their responsibility does not stop there. Elders are charged with the responsibility of seeing that souls that enter the kingdom of God are fed a proper diet of spiritual food so that they will grow spiritually and be prepared to go to heaven. May I ask where else will you find such solemn responsibility? I really believe that Brother Camp in a very concise way underscores the gravity of the office of those men who function in this capacity. Now, along those lines, let me just very quickly give you an overview of their work. Let me just try to describe from a biblical perspective the work that has been entrusted into their responsibility, or rather into their hands. First of all, they are to lead the flock. Listen again to what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you. Now, the footnote in the New King James Version says, obey those who lead over you. Elders have the responsibility of leading. Every organization has to have leadership. We understand that in the fiscal realm. In the corporate world, there is an organizational chart. And that organizational chart typically has someone at the top who is leading that corporation forward. Well, when you talk about the church of our Lord, we understand that from a universal vantage point, Jesus is the head of the church and he leads the church by his word. But elders from a local vantage point have the responsibility of leading the church. In John chapter 10, Jesus identifies himself as the good shepherd. And in verse three, he said that the shepherd calls his own sheep by name and leads them. Now, as we think about an elder or an eldership, here are men that God has entrusted to lead the church forward for his cause. And as leaders, we have the responsibility of following, and we'll talk about that more in just a moment or two. But nonetheless... Elders lead the flock. They are the ones that must take the initiative to lead the church. There's a second thing that I want to call attention to. Not only do elders lead the flock, but they must feed the flock. In Acts chapter 20 at verse 28, the apostle Paul, when he called the elders of the church of Ephesus to him at Miletus, Recounted his ministry among them. And in verse 28, he said, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Elders have the responsibility of ensuring that a congregation is fed. First of all, they are the ones that set the tone for what is proclaimed in the pulpit. They are the ones that superintend or govern that which is is spoken from the pulpit on a weekly basis. Furthermore, they have the responsibility of ensuring that the congregation is taught in the classroom, biblically speaking. I think it's good for elders to know the teachers. I think it's important for the elders to know the curriculum the things that are being taught in the classroom. We we talk about the importance of teaching and preaching. Congregations have to be fed spiritually. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That which ensures spiritual growth is God's word. That's That's the only thing that I know that will That will feed the soul. And so that's why I think elders have to make sure that the word of God is being preached. And that it's being preached not only biblically, but it has to be balanced. In verse 32 of Acts chapter 20, Paul said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. God's word is not only evangelistic in nature, but it is edifying in nature. Again, we talk about feeding the church. Sometimes lessons are intended to evangelize. Sometimes they're intended to edify. Do you remember when Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28? In verse 19, he said, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So, first of all, we go evangelize, and then what do we do? We edify, we build them up, we ground them in the faith. That's the twofold responsibility of the Great Commission. Then there is a third thing I want to call attention to, and that is elders must know the flock. Now, in John chapter 10, of course, Jesus there identifying himself as the Good Shepherd. And in verse 4, Jesus had said that. The good shepherd, the shepherd, calls the the sheep by their name. Down in verse 14, he said, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Elders have a massive responsibility. One of the things that elders have to do is to become acquainted with those of us who are under their oversight. In other words, they have to know us. They have to know, they have to know about us. They have to have an understanding of where we are in life, of where we are spiritually. They have to understand the joys and the frustrations, the highs and lows, the difficulties, the problems that we face from time to time. And elders, well, Elders always have an open door because they want to to guide, to lead, to counsel, to feed. They want to make sure that, that they know the flock. And it takes time, it takes patience. Sometimes it's more difficult to get to know some members than others. But one of the reasons that elders have the responsibility of knowing the sheep is because they are accountable for the sheep. Listen again to what the Hebrew writer said in verse 17. He said, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account So, elders have, we we talk about the enormity of their role. And you remember just a moment ago, I read about the gravity of the responsibilities inherent in the office. And what Brother Camp said was that their work supersedes that of the President of the United States because these men are giving account for our souls. They have willingly taken on this office. And I think we ought to admire men who are willing to step up and to be accountable for us. And in thinking about their their work, they lead, they feed, they know, and then they are to protect the flock. Shepherds in the past, in days gone by, what did they do? They watched their flock, didn't they? They watched so that they might protect them from the various things about them. Wolves, the elements, whatever the case may be. Spiritually speaking, elders have the responsibility of watching out for our souls and protecting our souls. I said just a moment ago that elders have to feed the flock. Sometimes elders have allowed men to stand in pulpits And those who have stood in pulpits have said things that did not harmonize with the word of God. Well, it's the elders' responsibility to do what? To stop that. Why? So that they can protect the flock. So that they can make sure that the the flock is being fed the word of God in purity. A lot of the problems that congregations have had in days gone by could have been corrected or prevented If elders had been on guard. Now we talk about protecting the flock. In Titus chapter 1. Paul talks about. The characteristics that a man must meet. The qualifications if you please. In order to serve as an elder. One of the qualifications is. That he has to be apt to teach. He's not to be a novice in the faith. According to 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 7. But Paul said they are to hold fast the faithful word as they have been taught, that they may be able to both exhort and convict the gainsayer or those who contradict. Well, somebody might ask the question, why is that? Why do they need to be able to exhort and to reprove? Well, Paul tells us. He said in that day and time, there were some that were subverting whole households, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. What was happening in the first century, some members of the body of Christ were being subverted in their faith. And so Paul said, elders have the responsibility of stopping their mouths. Then in verse 13 he said, Therefore rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith. The eldership is not a place for timidity. Men who serve as elders have to be willing to stand up and guard or protect the flock. I do not like confrontation. I do not know many people who do. Now, there are some people that are caustic by nature, and there are some people that are always looking for a fight. And that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that an elder ought to be caustic. An elder should never be out looking for a fight. But elders have to have the fortitude to stand up and to say sometimes, look, this will not pass here. This will not go on here. We can't tolerate this. Or you can't teach that here. By its very nature, the role of an eldership is confrontational to some extent. Now we speak the truth in love, and I think that elders ought to season their speech with salt, as all Christians. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle things, but elders have, they have a tremendous responsibility of guarding the flock. Now, let me just cite for you some, some observations about elders. I want to say that to serve as an elder, from my vantage point, looking at the scriptures, it ought to be viewed as a joy. It's a tremendous, it, it is a tremendous privilege for any man to serve as an elder. We are blessed here at Olive Branch with three Good men who serve as elders over this congregation. What what we ought to want to do is to make their task enjoyable. We ought to strive to live in such a way so that their job, so that their work is a joy, so that they delight in leading and feeding and guiding and knowing and protecting us. Let's just talk for a moment about the role of elders here on earth. Two things come to mind here. I'm convinced that elders take great delight when they see members in the congregation growing individually. It is a joy to see somebody baptized into Christ and then to watch them as they begin growing and maturing in the faith. And they are growing and maturing in the faith under their leadership. Brother D. O. White has a class on fundamentals of the faith, what we would call cardinal doctrines of the New Testament. It's really the whole intent of that class is to ground members in the, in the church or in the faith. And we have to ground members in the faith. Well, it's a joy to see people go through that class and to watch them as they begin maturing, as they begin taking on greater heights of service. Brother Billy and I were talking this past week about a person, not a member of this congregation, but he was telling me about somebody who was a member of a congregation where he preached. And he said that for many, many years, this particular individual came to services sporadically. And then he said, over the course of time, this person began coming more regularly to the point where they were, this, this person was coming to Bible study, morning worship, I believe evening worship as well. Well, where he was preaching, they, because they had gotten down in number decided they would no longer have evening services. So this person decided to go across town and meet with the saints who did have evening services. What does that say to me? It says, here's somebody who is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. That's what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter five. And so I believe that our elders, they take great joy in seeing us in Bible class in worship. They wanna see us here, not just Sunday morning, they wanna see us here Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night. Why is that? Because they know that's what's best for our souls. Because they know that's what we need. As a parent, what is it we typically do on behalf of our children? We watch out for their welfare, don't we? We lead, we guide, we protect, we encourage them. We say, this is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. Here's what you you need to think about. Here's where you need to go. Here's where maybe you need to avoid going. Well, why is that? Because we are entrusted with their welfare. So we lead them. We guide them. We protect them. We put them where we think they need to be. Elders are simply saying, look, when the saints meet, this is where we need to to be. This is where we ought to be. This is where we ought to want to be. If we don't come to Sunday morning services regularly, if we don't come back Sunday night or Wednesday night, what it says by way of implication is we're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. But the elders, they delight in seeing us grow and mature and be what we ought to be. There's another thing I think connected with this. When the elders observe the spiritual growth of a congregation, You know what follows? Numerical growth. Numerical growth is a result of spiritual growth. So the elders here, when they ensure that we are being taught the word of God from the pulpit in the classroom, when they they have activities for our spiritual welfare or benefit, what does that do? It adds to the building up of this church, and it leads to growth in membership. Look at the early church. Look how the early church grew. Note how many members, note how many people were obeying the gospel and becoming members of the church. Why was that? Because you had people of conviction, people who said, we've got to share this message with others. When we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we grow as we should, you know what's going to happen? Let me tell you what's going to happen. This church is going to explode. Because we'll realize we have a message we cannot keep to ourselves. Like the apostles of old who said, we cannot but speak the things we've seen and heard. That's the way we ought to be. And then let me say this about elders. They are promised a reward for their duties here on earth. In 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 4, the apostle Peter said, when the the chief shepherd appears, he said those who serve as elders will receive the crown of glory. Think about that. Elders will one day reap the rewards of their service. Now I want to... I want to stop here today because I want to talk about our responsibilities and I don't want to try to do it in three or four minutes. I had planned to talk about our responsibilities but I want to stop here because I think it's important for us to understand our responsibilities to the eldership. I want to close by saying I am appreciative to the elders here. I am grateful that we have men who love us I'm thankful that we have men who encourage me as a preacher. You don't know what a blessing it is to have men who will stand up after every service and commend the lesson that has been presented. It means a lot. The elders have never said to me, look, you don't need to preach on this or you need to stay away from that. There are a lot of congregations, they don't have that They they don't have that kind of leadership. And so, I think that we as a congregation, and we're going to talk about this, we have obligations that rest on us. We are to be supportive of the elders, and we are to be submissive to the elders. And we're going to talk about that at length next week. But I want to close by saying this. We ought to pray for our elders every day. We ought to do everything that we can to lighten their load. The elders' responsibilities are in the spiritual realm, not in the physical realm. Now, there are things that they take care of, physically speaking, but primarily their duties are spiritual in nature. What we want to do is hold high their hands and encourage them We want to to have the attitude, look, we're here to help you. We want to make your job easier. And so we ought to be supportive of them and we ought to pray for them. And I would encourage us to pray not just for our elders, but we ought to pray for their spouses too. One of the things that I pray for is that the elders' wives will continue to be supportive of them and encourage them because It takes a good wife supporting an elder. And so let me close there. I want to close with a prayer and then we'll have the invitation. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for your love and care for us. We're thankful for the church, for what it means. We're grateful to be members of the church. We're thankful for Jesus who purchased the church with his blood. And we're grateful for the privilege that we have to be members of the church. We are very thankful for men who rise up and serve as elders. And we pray for the elders of the church here at Olive Branch. We pray especially, Father, that you would bless Brother George Jacobs and Carolyn, Brother Tim Kathy and Becky brother D.O. White and Donna bless them strengthen them and help us to stand by them and support them we pray that you would bless them with wisdom and may may they continue to lead the church in a manner and way that would please you in Jesus name we pray amen